It's time for you to look inward and begin asking yourself the big questions. Who are you? And what do you want? The greatest illusion of this world is the illusion of separation. You can't wait around for someone to help you. You have to help yourself. Hello, welcome to episode 1112 or 112 of the Panacea Concept. Uh, this is Matthew Diaz, Integrative Health Practitioner, Level 2 Mastery. So that is life coaching, functional medicine, Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, uh, bioregulatory medicine, orthomolecular medicine. Um, I'm sure I missed a few, uh, but yeah, uh, naturopathic medicine. Um, traditional Chinese medicine. I'm not sure if I said that one already, but anyway. Um, so and oh, and and, and uh, yes, life coaching. Yes, I did see that. Okay. So uh, today's episode is chaos theory applied to health. So interesting idea, interesting concept. Chaos theory. Not very familiar with it, but I've been reading Strands of Health by Rick Malter, Ph.D. He is heavily invested in psychology and hair tissue mineral analysis. By invested, I mean that he spent a lot of time in psychology and he spent a, a lot of time using the hair tissue mineral analysis to uh, correlate psychological, physiological uh, reactions and patterns. Um, and yeah, and, and a very interesting part of the book is very uh, small book. It's only 150 pages. Uh, it's, it's a good uh, it's a good book. I like it, but he has he has a different perspective that I am interested in, and I think everyone should be interested in in gaining different perspective and, and angles to anything. So if you don't, you end up with this really uh, myopic view, and when anything is uh, questioned, it's hard for you to have a, a full picture in order to answer that question. So I recommend everyone get multiple angles. Uh, on anything, even people you don't agree with. What are, what are they saying? Uh, what is the um, the crux of their argument, and do they have a point? And is there? I mean, from what I found so far, is that a lot of people are right for certain reasons, uh, and, and there also could be better answers that are even a little bit more accurate. And then that's what we're talking about. So a lot of people, I don't think, are wrong. Less outright wrong, but I think. There's a time and place for a lot of different things, and um, like for example, different diets. Maybe there's a time and place for keto. Maybe there's a time and place for a carnivore. Um, maybe there's a time and place for a vegan, and and so on. So none of them are wrong, and none of them are, in a sense, also right because everybody's different, and um, and that's what uh, I want to talk to you about is why that is. Why is it? What kind of uh, you know how chaos theory kind of applies to um, how everybody is different and how it makes more sense to view the world this way than it does with with this uh, so-called conventional quote unquote model of healthcare where it's just oh this person has this cluster of symptoms so they must have uh, X Y and Z disease and uh, in order to treat that we're going to use this protocol. You know, nothing works like that. The, um, um, even even um, the protocols that I use uh, for my clients and for myself, uh, they need to be tweaked a bit because uh, everybody is different. You know, certain things may not work, or certain people can just be at a different part 
in their health where they need uh, uh, the protocol altered. And, um, and yeah, and that's that's honestly the future. The future is bio-individualized medicine. It's not a uh, paint-by-numbers medicine, which is uh, oversimplified and uh, nonsensical to um, to an insane degree. So anyway, I'm going to read a little excerpt from um, a chapter uh, in The Strands of Health by Rick Malter, PhD. Uh, so it is uh, chaos theory and trace mineral analysis. So I, lo I love the way he put this. Um, always, uh, always nice to see how someone else kind of views the same thing. I've I've ta I've talked about this, but haven't had the same uh, angle that he has here. So uh, I'll read I'll read the part now. Uh, chaos theory is based on a nonlinear mathematical model that are. Uh, better suited to pattern analysis of complex dynamic natural systems operating over time that are non that are linear models. Chaotic dynamic systems are subject to feedback. Systems that change radically through their feedback are called nonlinear. So in um, in nonlinear systems, the folding and refolding of feedback quickly magnifies small changes so that the effect seems all out of proportion to the cause. Nonlinear systems behave nonlinearly because they are so webbed with positive feedback that the slightest twitch anywhere may become amplified into an unexpected convulsion or transformation. So I think that's... Um, Okay, let me read a little bit further before I interject. Uh, one of the messages of chaos theory is that no matter how good a scientific model or formula, there is always fundamental unpredictability and uncertainty driving dynamic systems. We are a dynamic system. Uh, our, you know, we as human beings. I'm not sure if uh, if you listened to my uh, last episode uh, with the UFO stuff. I'm not sure if any uh, UFO if, uh, aliens are listening to this, but uh, we are a dynamic system. I'm sure that you know most likely any form of life is. Um, there are a lot of factors that need to be looked into, and um, and then there's there's a lot of different components. So if you make any changes, there's going to be like like they like he wrote here, or like he quotes here from, I believe, either James Glick's book, which is Chaos, Making a New Science, or he quotes from John Briggs' Fractals, The Patterns of Chaos. So um, anyway, uh, so one of those two books, or Peter Oppenheimer, and I don't see a book by Peter Oppenheimer, but he quotes him. Anyway, uh, the our systems are complicated. I mean, if you think about it, like I, I always like to mention, one mineral is responsible for hundreds of different functions. So what does that mean? I mean, if you just look at the center, make your own little chart or so, or or web, you put you write mineral or magnesium, uh, any mineral you want, and then you branch out. You would write uh, you know, used in muscles, uh, what happens with muscles, and then you would go through the uh, chemical reactions that uh, occur, so the chemistry that occurs to turn magnesium into uh, a substrate of magnesium or broken down um, 
matter of magnesium that's used for the next function, or most likely it's broken down a dozen times. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, you, a good way to see this on a, a functional medicine test on on how chemical transformations occur is uh, on the organic acid test or the candida uh, candida metabolic and vitamins test is the new name. Um, and what you'll see is that one, uh, let's say, acid, one acid turns into, that's, that's uh, another thing you could see. You could just see the Krebs cycle, anything like that. So one acid turns into another acid, which turns into another, 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 then maybe, um, uh, maybe halfway through that cycle, a second uh, acid is used in order to form the next step in that cycle, otherwise it, th that cycle may break down, leading to um, an inefficiency in that particular chemical reaction. So the same thing will happen with minerals. It's just, it's that's how the body works. So, you know, it, it just it changes, it changes one thing into another and another and another. It's very complicated. Um, I even um, in uh, say RG. Uh, book, his book, um, what is it called? Regenerates. Even in his book, Regenerate, he talks about the, the amount of energy it takes to turn one substance into another. It is theoretically uh, huge. It's theoretically, I don't know, I don't have the sophisticated words to explain um, how vast the amount of energy has to be in order to change a mineral into perhaps another mineral. Um, it goes over into the, uh, into the, uh, in the steps in the book. Apologies for the interruptions. I'm gonna have to start over, start my train of thought one more time. So uh, let's, right, right, right. Yeah, now I remember. Okay, so uh, Sayarji's book uh, talks about the vast amount of energy it takes for transmutation. I don't recommend his book, by the way, for the casual uh, reader just looking into um, how to actually get healthy. Um, I, I think his book is more meant to be like a serious take for clinicians or practitioners who are already really familiar um, to a lot of different things, uh, uh, science, health related. But um, but anyway, so uh, yeah, it would take a vast amount of energy to transmutate uh, one substance into another, uh, one mineral into another. That's what he talks about. He talks about, I guess it's essentially alchemy, he calls it, um, and how it's there's like a quantum level of energy. I don't know how he puts it. I don't know how I would be able to sum it up. But basically, um, you know, I kind of get the gist of that. Uh, he referenced several studies where uh, a person, or was it a chicken? A chicken, some some creature, was able to um, produce uh, the adequate amount of a mineral that that chicken did not have uh, in in its diet. So where did the mineral come from? Where did, for example, the um, let's say calcium. Maybe it doesn't get any calcium from the diet. I don't know. Uh, where does it come from? Uh, so that's that's kind of kind of like a poor summary of one of those studies that was that was in that book. Um, so let's take for example something very small. So a lot of people 
they, especially nowadays, they think that one small thing doesn't do anything uh, to your health. Uh, so for example, there's a, a, yeah, everyone knows there's a lot of irrationality going on right now um, on a lot of different levels. Uh, let's take the mask debate. So the idea that you can block all the particles uh, escaping your, your, um, your lungs uh, as you exhale by any piece of cloth, it doesn't matter, it doesn't have to have any rating, doesn't have to have multiple layers, doesn't have to have any quality or standard to it, uh, but people think anything that blocks your face is an acceptable uh, quote-unquote face covering to somehow stop people from getting a virus. So it's a very faulty premise. But, uh, but when people are confronted with that argument that, hey, uh, this, this uh, application of a face covering is incorrect, unscientific, doesn't have any um, validity to the use that you're trying, the, the intended use that you're trying to use it for. Uh, so when that conversation comes up and, and that point is made, they say, well, you know, if it doesn't do it, it, it doesn't do anything, it, it can only help, right? Um, there is not one single thing that you can apply to your environment that doesn't have an effect on you whatsoever. Um, let's, take, so let's take an example, uh, the mask, and then we'll move on to uh, a different example, different um, direction. So the uh, mask does prevent the proper exhalation of byproducts and waste that happens when anything leaves your body. So when you urinate, when you're, when hair comes out of your body, uh, when you sweat, all those things are potential avenues for toxicities to escape the body. Um, so same thing when you exhale. So when you exhale, you're also getting rid of uh, waste, exhaust. You know, you're, you're taking in oxygen and other uh, things in the, in your atmosphere, and you're using the useful parts and you're uh, getting rid of the waste. That's an obvious overview that people, anyone can, can think about and, and agree with. So where they, where people get lost is that they think if you're blocking your, your nose and mouth um, with, it, with a cloth, that doesn't actually do anything um, to have any, any poor, potential poor health outcomes. And for most people, you might not have a noticeable reaction, but there is a such thing as um, as filling up the rain barrel, as as uh, as some people like to call it, uh, analogy. So you're adding one more layer. You're adding one more um, technical stress to your environment. Uh, so so what does the so what does the mask do? Psychologically, it does something. Um, it also prevents the waste. Maybe you're rebreathing more of your your exhaust, your waste through uh, through exhalation because the mask is keeping some of that there. There's a, uh, a level of moisture that builds up on the mask. So at what point are microscopic um, uh, fungus or mold building up on your mask? Um, what are what's the material that you're breathing in? So when the mask breaks down, are you breathing in some of that material? Is the material okay to breathe in? You know, it's like all these questions. So, so through a let's take another example. So 
Same thing with let's uh, so so people still think that the masks don't have a health effect. Now, uh, again, some people are just not they have too many stressors in their life, and to add one more, a constant stress of a material blocking your exhaust, your, your breathing, and breathing through it, even even a flimsy material could potentially be the thing, the straw that broke the con the camel's back. So uh, let's take a different angle. So the shoes. Uh, so let's take, for example, shoes. So what happens when you wear shoes? Um, well, you have to understand how feet work. <laughs> so uh, people don't understand how feet work. They just think that uh, you, know, you, you place your feet on the ground and then you just kind of balance and you go from one foot to another and that's walking. Well, there's more to the anatomy of a foot uh, of, the, of your whole body uh, than people think. So like um, chaos theory, like we're talking about, that one thing is, is changed and then there's a, a pull on the web, there's a chain reaction, a domino effect that takes place. Um, so why I think, uh, at least how it's described here in Strands of Health, why chaos theory um, sounds appropriate. So your feet have, first thing to know is what happened, what, what's your foot? Like what, how does it balance? How does it work mechanically? Uh, so a few things to keep in mind is that there's muscles in the feet. There are muscles in the feet. There are, there are bones in the feet. Uh, there are s nerves and sensors in the feet. Um, and there, there, uh, there's a proper function. So it, there's an optimal way for the foot to function. So there are several sensors, and when these sensors sense pressure, when pressure is applied to the uh, certain areas of the foot, muscles activate. So that's very important. Uh, two, uh, if you unnaturally, unnaturally alter the structure of the foot, let's say you put your foot in a ballet shoe, for example, um, that'll, that could potentially change the bone structure, you know, that could potentially change the, the muscle, um, the fascia that holds the connect, the connective tissue that holds, um, that goes throughout the whole body, really, the fascia. And, um, and potentially the ligaments, the, um, the nerves, pinch certain nerves, all those things, right? So, so that's what happens, right? So you change the way the, the, the thing would normally operate. So it's, it's almost like putting on really, really thick gloves and then you're expecting your hand to, uh, you're expecting to be able to use your hand in the same way as if you didn't have those gloves. It basically numbs and takes away a lot of the articulation of your hand. Same thing happens with your foot. So, um, and so does this have a health effect? It absolutely does. Uh, so that could be an additional stressor that causes a chain reaction. So you mess with your feet, the sensors, the fascia, the ligaments, uh, then it throws off your ankle, your calf, your knees, and, and then your hips, and then your lower back, which could then actually go all the way up and affect the way you breathe because it's a chain reaction. Uh, so let's say, um, the more the the issue with your foot leads to issues with your calf, your knee, your hips, and uh, puts extra stress potentially on your back, which um, yeah, which can change the way you hold your upper body, your shoulders, leading to improper breathing, less diaphragmatic breath, and then um, 
and then you have more feelings of panic, which then affects your 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 thoughts. So it, it, like to say that something so small does not have an effect on the body is to really um, in a, a non-offensive way is almost like like declaring your ignorance of health. But that's how I feel about it. I don't mean that in a negative way. That's just saying that hey, I don't actually understand um, how the body works as a system. You know, the body works as a system, not a series of inter interdependent uh, or um, dependent or um, isolated. There you go, uh, isolated parts. You know, it's it's not a it's not a uh, it's not a car. It's a, we're we're not we're not machines. We work a lot more complicated than that. And uh, and yeah, so this has been my thoughts my thoughts on chaos theory. Uh, I think it's an awesome way to basically um, explain to the very scientific uh, personality that where where they're thinking. Uh, about health and where they're missing some things is where where when it when it's applied to um, a system you know it, we are a system same thing happens in the ecosystem you know when it, the forest let's say you change something in a forest that's gonna have a chain reaction right? it's going to alter the way the animals in the forest behave it's going to alter uh, on a microscopic level, different uh, microscopic uh, organisms, how those things uh, appear and function and, and whatever is dependent on that microorganism and so on. And there's a, it's a chain. Everything works together. The, uh, my favorite quote, uh, and I'll say this a million times because it's my favorite quote, is the greatest illusion is the illusion of separation. I love that quote from a cartoon, so uh, the Avatar, if you want to look that up. Um, anyways, so I hope you enjoyed this very philosophical yet scientific uh, discussion on chaos theory and health and life in general. So have a great day, and I'll see you next week on the Panacea Concept. Take care.